Welcome to episode 26 of the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with Drew Morris of Common Sense Fantasy uh, of, Com- of Common Sense Baseball. Um, he's here as my uh, guest co-host, uh, but we're here with a special guest today. Um, his name is Alex Alex Fast of Pitcher List. You can find him on Twitter at AlexFast8. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk some 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 pitching and some hitting with you. I'll I'll, I'll do my best here. That's that's good. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. And yeah, you can find uh, Drew Morris um, at uh, Common Sense FBB, right? That's it. That's me on Twitter. Uh, cool. Glad to be here with you guys. This is my first co-hosting experience, so I'm looking forward to it. Glad to have you. So, Alex, um, I was I don't know if you heard yet, but I was listening to the Rasball for um, podcast today. You got a you got a shout out. You got a shout out there. Oh, I did. No, I didn't know that. What the, what what do they have to say? So they they said something. I don't know if I don't know if you're gonna like this or not, but they said <laughs> that um, um, you know Trent Grisham. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm gonna you know where I'm going, right? Yes. They, they, yeah. They, they they think well, you know what? They think that your photo on Twitter looks like his stock photo. Like <laughs> I I I I've, I've looked at the I've looked at like you can't you don't look like Trent Grisham. Like I've seen sure. other I've seen other photos of Trent Grisham, and you look nothing like him. But I guess that photo of him, it, they actually said, you're a poor man's Trent, Trent Grisham. Well, I mean, in every literal sense of the word, I am far poorer than <laughs> Grisham. That, in that case, that's for sure. And I also am not allowed in Milwaukee. So I guess in that way, uh, uh, I am like Trent Grisham. Oh, why is, why is that? Oh, you know, just a bunch of warrants out for my arrest. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, 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 I actually, I've been to Milwaukee. I think it's a fantastic town. I went to the Brewer Stadium and had like a, uh, they had a, a huge Bloody Mary that you drank through like a hollowed <laughs> Slim Jim. And I think I still have heartburn from it, but it was delicious. That'll That's get awesome. anybody in trouble with the law. You're not <laughs> supposed to. You're not supposed to stalk Christian Yelich after you drink that, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, any, I think it was literally called like a meat straw. So any, <laughs> you know, like that, that's like a terrible phrase for something. So I, I yeah, but it was, you know yeah, it was nice that place. sounds like something you'd use like on a bachelorette party. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. If I never hear the words meat straw again, it'll be, it'll be fine with me. I don't know any just... bachelorette parties, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Another thing I wanted to mention was uh, we started this battle of the podcast leagues, and Drew, you're in it. And um, I asked Alex, but he um, he um, passed the buck over to uh, Scott Chu, right? A pitcher, yes. a pitcher list. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, Scott's I'm very, very happy we got a representative of a pitcher list on the on the battle of the podcast. And right now it's going it's going great. We got you know, a lot of a lot of big um, a lot of big names. I'm not going to list any of them because I don't want to I don't want to leave any out. But I'm, I'm picking I'm picking 14. And Scott's picking 15. So I'm sort of I sort of sandwich them on that turn, and I'm like, okay, a lot of these a lot of these leagues, like especially TGFBI, you can go and look on the guy's Twitter and see who he likes. But Scott, I looked, I was I went on. I mean, they were in the second round. I looked at his Twitter. It's all fucking curling. Like yep. I, I, I can't even get. I, I'm, I'm not going to spend the time sifting through all this curling to find out who he wants to draft in the third round. It's just not worth it. So like, I think you sabotaged me here. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He has a huge fantasy curling thing. Scott is is amazing. He's a super nice dude, and he's got this fantasy curling league that's that's huge. Uh, and I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think he literally <laughs> did that for the reason you just said to completely, you know, distract from who the guys he's targeting are. Yeah, I think so too. So I think we we we're calling him out on that. I don't care. I don't care what he says. It's 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 just a, it's just a it's just a it's just a disguise. 
Sure. I'm just I'm happy to know that fantasy curling exists. I'm going to be checking that out personally. Oh, it's awesome. And he and he like talks to all the like major like curlers. I think that's what they're I don't know what they're called, but like he's, are, he's are there awesome. major curlers? I think they, I think they're called like the, the guy that throws it. Is, I think he's called a skip. I'm from Canada, so curling's huge in Canada. Uh, I'm, from, I'm, okay. from, I'm from Toronto, right? You um, might be a ringer, Zach. Maybe, maybe. I've, I've have you guys ever curled? No, uh, I have not. But it looks like a blast. I have. It's it's fun. I, I would. I, I've, I've done, I do it like once a year. I, I'm terrible. It's like golf. I'm terrible at golf. Um, terrible. Um, maybe a little bit better at curling, but um, yeah, it's it's fun though. Well, Scott must also know something about fantasy baseball. I really like his turn. This is Alex. This is a 15 team uh, draft champions league, and he he had the 15th pick, and he got uh, Scherzer in the first, and Jose Ramirez in the second. I really like that start. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but I'm a big fan of that as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. So he's, 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 rep, he's representing PL pretty well. He does. He does that. He, he, we, we love him. He's awesome. And uh, I know he will do us proud. All right. So let's get to it. I know like you come on, you've been on a lot of podcasts. I've listened to you on a lot of podcasts and, um, and, and a lot of people um, focus on pitching. So I want to, we're, we're going to do that too. But what I want to start off with is hit with hitters. So I, I don't sure. think you get, you don't get to ask about hitters quite as much. But assuming you know your stuff, so I want I want to I want to get your thoughts on some hitters that you think that are undervalued this year. Um, could be anywhere in the draft. Uh, yeah, sure, that's great. I mean, we you know I I've been digging a lot into this because Nick and I were fortunate enough to to be invited into the first mixed uh, labor draft, which is a it's a twelve teamer, but it's it's got you know middle infield and quarter infield, got the five outfielders, so it's a little bit um it, it is deep. So I've had to look a little bit deeper. So I was happy you asked. The first guy, right you know, if I kind of go down by ADP, is definitely CJ Crone. I mean, a lot of people I think. Something happens each year where guys who are on poor teams don't really get looked at enough because they get, you know, oh, they're on the Marlins, they're on the Tigers, they're on the Orioles, I don't really want anything to do with them. But C.J. Crone last year, if you're just looking at first baseman, he was number one in barrels per plate appearance among first basemen. So that's over Pete Alonzo, you know, that's over a lot of, you know, uh, uh, heavy bats like um, Olsen and Abreu. He had the second highest barrel per batted ball event, uh, the fifth highest exit velocity on uh, fly balls and line drives. Um, that's just like a lot of, you know, fancy stat cast data to just say that he hits the crap out of the ball. Um, he's also hitting fourth on that tiger on the Tigers lineup, which is right behind. I believe it's Nico Goodrum and uh, and then Cabrera with Jonathan Scope behind him, who we'll get to in a little bit. Um, he's increased his woba on uh, on off speed stuff, and he's done that for three consecutive years. Usually, if a guy is like really feasting on something, I'll take a look. Like, okay, is he just getting a hefty dose of fastballs, and that's it? Because that's a great you know way to see if there's some uh, regression coming. Uh, and he doesn't do that. I mean, he still struggles a little bit on breaking pitches, but he can hit fastballs. Super well, breaking uh, off-speed pitch super well. He strikes out about league average, too, so it's not really going to kill you there. It's not like he sells out for power overly, although he doesn't really take a lot of walks. Um, another interesting thing I noticed, too, is he doesn't really chase a lot. His O-swing has dropped consecutively uh, years, so he's someone I'm interested in taking a late flyer on going after pick 200 near pick 250. Yeah, I, I like that call. Another guy... His brother is actually of interest to me, like in even in even deeper rounds as well, because he has a, he has a very good profile. He has a limited limited sample size last year in the majors. But you have any thoughts on Kevin? Yeah, I mean he he's probably not going to get a heck of a lot of playing time. Uh, I don't imagine, but yeah, he does he does have that kind of similar profile to him. He strikes out so much though. 
he he really likes to, to swing and miss. Um, maybe he's a good you know kind of like backup uh, if um, Christian Walker proves kind of wholly ineffective. But I don't know if there's the the playing time path for him like there would be some other guys around him. Yeah, that's the thing. He does have some good plate discipline though. I think he does take a lot of walks um, at least in the minor leagues. But Cron, like Kevin Cron, might be. I know we're talking about the the five by five, but he might be a great target in that Raz Slam, uh, the 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 cut line, uh, the cut line, because they don't they don't count walks, but he he has a good profile for that. Sort of like uh, if you miss it on an Edwin, um, CJ mm-hmm. might be even better. Yeah, totally. I mean, he, he's gonna. So right now, I don't think he's gonna make it out of uh, spring training, and then he might compete with with Seth Beer, who I think they're gonna put at first or maybe in the outfield. But yeah, in a in, in a league like that, that's a perfect example where it's like. You know, in pick 40 and 41, you're just looking for upside, and there is power upside there. Oh, okay. No, I meant I meant CJ. It would be a great pick. Oh, in the, I'm in sorry. The, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Kevin. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I might, maybe I wasn't clear. And I was talking about – I was going back to CJ on that. Well, I like your point, Alex, about uh, the, the play discipline improvements. Um, one thing I've kind of gotten a little obsessed with in this offseason is, is just expected batting average from StatCast. And, uh, and Crone made a huge leap in that, uh, this year, you know, he's always been sort of, uh, or, you know, at least the last couple of years, he'd been in the, you know, the two fifties and, uh, his expected batting average in 2019 was 277. So it certainly does look like a guy who's getting better. And, um, you know, with 30 home runs in 2018 and 25 last year, and neither getting more than 140 games, uh, certainly seems like. Uh, he's a good pick to outproduce that going forward. So I, I like the pick. Yeah, I agree. Now I think you, um, I think before before you got on, you you said you, you alluded to somebody on your on your home team being another um, late target as well that maybe plays the same position. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I think. Are you talking about Renato Nunez? I, I think you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's also a kind of another interesting guy. He doesn't have the same uh, batting average ceiling, I think, that C.J. Crone does, but he's still going, like, around pick 300. And, like, even the most pessimistic projection system has him hitting at least 27 home runs. You know what I mean? He, he's a guy, too, where his, like, expected metrics, while his expected batting average isn't necessarily fantastic. I mean, I think it's his expected batting average is around 250 last year. He, he's still hitting in Camden Yards. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's just going to do wonders for his power. Um, he's someone I'm also targeting as like a great uh, uh, corner infield guy, right? Uh, he's someone that you could get super, super late who also is a victim to just playing on a really awful team. And I'm sadly a fan of that awful team. Um, <laughs> but he he's he's going to be hitting fourth. He's going to have Hanser Alberto, who who is just a like a contact machine. Like he's the king of the bloops. Um, and then Trey Mancini ahead of him. So that's that's not bad. And where he's going, I think there's some really nice value there. Is being the king of the bloops a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess it depends on context. Maybe not for baseball. <laughs> I guess it depends on where the bloops go, into a glove or onto the ground, I guess. That's the, yeah. that's the big question. That's true. <laughs> So Drew, Drew, you Drew, you did um, you you put something out on Twitter today about uh, expected batting average versus actual batting average, and uh, or no, I guess it's uh, no, you you put something out on the um, sorry on the well, uh, so, well sort on, of um, I've gotten sort of obsessed with expected batting average, and so I've started sort of diving into it um, more of a deep dive and uh, trying to predict, uh, you know, just sort of looking at the trends for players and even looking into how they do against fastballs, how they do against breaking balls, how they do against off-speed pitches, and just trying to come up with 
uh, my own guesstimate as to where their batting average will be will be going. And uh, there's there's been a few players that I think the um, the main projection systems and I used Steamer, ATC, and the Bat uh, are just a little bit off on. And uh, so I, I I just put out a list, and I, I thought it was was interesting to see that um, you know there are there are several players I can um, I can't quite understand why they're. Uh, their batting average projection is what it is. Most of them, you know, I think the projections are a little low, but a couple of them, I thought the projections were even a little bit high. So were any, were either of those two players, uh, Nunez or Crone on your list? That was the that so I've only, so I've only looked at a small subset of players now, but I, I'm, I'm fairly sure um, I would project. I, what is CJ Crone's projection? I don't CJ recall. Off Crone's the projection. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, just, just sort of glancing at it right now, I would put him over 260, and I, I, I'm guessing, well, that's about where it is. So yeah. That's about where it is, yeah, about 20, anywhere from 26 to 30 home runs hitting 260, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look more into it, Zach, but, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's probably fairly good, and I would say, you know, he's probably got upside into the 270s, um, you know, depending on if he continues to take strides forward. All right. Well, this is actually a, this is a good segue um, from a Baltimore player to um, pitching on the Orioles. Now, um, I've done a lot of draft and hold uh, fifty round uh, fifty round um, leagues, and the players I've been targeting at the end of these drafts really you're looking for just warm bodies, anyone with a pulse. Sorry to make it sound so so great, but two of the pitchers I've been targeting a lot, and I've I've done like probably fifteen of these leagues at this point, and I think Drew, you've done almost the same about about the same as I have. But Alex Cobb and Brandon Bailey, I'm more excited about Brandon Bailey, um, just because he's a rule. He was a rule five pick, as you know, from the 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 Astros, and the Astros just had had a wealth of uh, riches, and they just end up just bleeding their players out because they just can't hold on to them. They have too many. They just for that period of time, they just harvested all these great prospects, and I'll, I've said it. I've said it before, but JD Martinez, JD Davis, Domingo Santana, T. Oscar Hernandez for a lesser extent, um, Ramon Laureano, who I love and who was amazing in the minor leagues, and he just sort of unheralded uh, an unheralded prospect because he wasn't drafted that high. Um, but Brandon Bailey was also from the Astros, and um, his minor league stats don't jump at you, but he has an over over nine Ks per nine. Um, and, um, Cobb is really just getting ignored. He's getting his ADP is over 600, like double, um, your like other boring guys, like your Samarjas and Porcellos. Um, and there's also some rookies there like, um, uh, Dean Creamer. Um, so Alex, what are your thoughts on the Baltimore rotation with in, in, in the respect of these deep, deep leagues? Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, to, to begin with, I think there are actually, there's one or two guys who I think are serviceable in not even the deepest of leagues, and that's that's John Means mostly, and then slightly, I, I would still probably put him in a deep league. Asher Wojciechowski. Um, John Means is is very interesting. I mean, he's he's got a fantastic changeup, obviously, um, but then the slider is actually really not that bad. Uh, it, it it kind of relied a little bit too much on batted ball metrics last year and the plate discipline stuff wasn't fantastic. If it was just that, then I'd be out. But he's working on this this new well it's not a new curveball. He threw it about six percent last year. But it's it's a really nice pitch by movement. Um I don't think it has a lot of active spin, which makes me not as excited about it. But he's been working on it in spring training 
And he's kind of interesting. If he can get that curveball going, the changeup's already there. He has kind of a show-me fastball that he can get across the plate for strikes. That makes him kind of interesting. But as you said, in, in the deeper leagues, um, yeah, Cobb is a great point. I mean, I personally won't be taking any flyers just because... Well, I guess in the deepest of leagues, he's an interesting flyer to take because, you know, the splitter or whatever he called the, the thing, I think he calls it, is absolutely fantastic. I mean, and maybe it could return to form. Last year was a complete wash for him, and he does have that one pitch that, you know, gives him a lot of nice upside. Brandon Bailey is a really interesting case. I think the jury is kind of out for me on him. Uh, we Nick and I, when we went down to first pitch Florida this past week, we actually got lucky enough to be able to see him go up against, uh, I believe it was Trevor Williams. Uh, and I was excited because I really wanted to watch him pitch. He's got these kind of very interesting mechanics. Um, he doesn't really fall forward a lot when he pitches, which is kind of interesting because he's a short guy. So the shorter guys uh, or shorter pitchers, I should say, usually kind of do this drop and drive approach. Um, he doesn't really uh, they're, they're a little bit wonky. Um, I'd want to watch a little bit more footage of him. Um, obviously, I was excited when the Astros picked him or excuse me, the Orioles picked him up, too, because like you said, uh, he, he came from that organization. Pretty much a lot of those Astros front office people jump ship, went over to the Orioles and he was the first guy they were interested in grabbing. He really needs to rely on pinpoint command with that four-seamer, considering it's sitting like 91-92. And if he doesn't really have that, the rest of the arsenal can't really be effective, in my opinion. He's got this 12-6 curveball, which is pretty nice. He has a changeup, which has some really nice arm side run to it, uh, which is a very effective pitch as well. He's going to stick with the team. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to crack the rotation yet. He probably will. Um, I know they still have Tommy Malone, who's technically signed to a minor league deal. Uh, I want to get another look at him. I know he's also working on like this new slider cutter hybrid, which could be sort of interesting. But yeah, when when you're really deep in leagues, uh, he's not a, a not a terrible flyer to take. Right on. Um, and then uh, there's some there's some rookies that that um, that could be up this year that really they, doesn't really doesn't really really seem like there's much that would it, would, it wouldn't take much to crack that rotation um, because you got to figure one or two of these guys are going to falter. Um, so some of the rookies that were mentioned, we had. Um, the rookie that I mentioned was Dean Kramer, and then uh, we had Ray Butler from Prospect 365 on the show and talking about these deep draft and holds, and he was also saying Zach Lother is also an option. And um, there's others on, there's others in that rotation, or sorry, others in the minor leagues that might be of interest. Any Anyone um, that you might take a flyer on in these deep leagues this year, like, I guess, um, besides the ones, besides the pitchers we spoke about? Bruce Zimmerman. Yeah. Bruce Zimmerman pitched after Asher Wojciechowski two days ago in spring training, and I was, like, freaking out. I made a bunch of gifts of him. I didn't really know too much about him before. Um, his slider is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, he was getting whiffs on that thing left and right. I don't really see him starting the year with the club. Uh, maybe he'll be up later. They, you know, With organizations like this, they don't really want to start the service time too early because we're not going to be competing for the next 70 years. Um, but the, the slider is really electric. He's got a really good curveball, an okay changeup. Fastball command is going to be the biggest thing for him, but that's that's a really, really, really late flyer that you can take who could return some value for you. Yeah, that guy's going to be on no one's radar at all. And he's 25, yeah. years, he's, he's 25 years old, too. Um, so one one last one last thing about the about your Orioles. Um, any chance Hunter Harvey gets into the rotation? Because I know he was he's been a starter throughout his uh, minor league career. Uh, from what I hear, they're probably going to utilize him mostly as a reliever and just let him like just unleash some gas. You know what I mean? Just kind of like rear back and throw as hard as possible. I wouldn't I wouldn't anticipate him cracking the rotation at some point this year. Maybe he'll he could be utilized like an opener, maybe. But I imagine they're just going to convert him to a reliever. I wouldn't right. be surprised if he got half the saves. Um, oh, they, that's a hot been, take I like. 
Well, I feel like they've been, and you probably can speak to this as a fan of theirs, but I mean, the Orioles seem about as uncommitted as any team to a, to a named closer. I think Michael Givens last year got like 11 saves and, you know, granted that's of the 12 games you guys won. So, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I mean, do, do you think that's just a philosophy that they're going with to not really have a named closer? Um, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think they want to light a fire under Givens. I think that's still technically his job to lose. Um, they're they're an organization that I think after uh, Britain left, it was kind of up in the air, right? They tried Zach, uh, excuse me, they tried Brad Brock for a little while. Uh, and then last year, which, as you kind of said, yeah, no one else got 10 saves aside from Michael Givens. The, uh, he got 11. Sean Armstrong got four. Richard Blyer got four. Uh, Paul Fry got three. And then Miguel Castro, who they thought, I think, was going to be able to take some save opportunities away, was wholly ineffective. He got two as well. So, yeah, they are spreading it around. And I, I really actually kind of enjoy that take. I think Hunter Harvey could be an interesting name if he can finally get it all together to be a good person to pick up the saves there. Well, thank you. High praise. <laughs> So Craig, you might you might get half the saves. You might get like five saves. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're I I I am I'm gonna save the I know we're gonna talk about relievers later on, and I just did a full presentation at first pitch about them, so I'm really excited to to talk about it with you guys. Yeah, I know I have I, I heard about that. That's why I wanted to that's why I wanted to talk to you about that as well. That's why it's on the agenda. But um I also another another great thing that, that you've uh, produced is the CSW um metric. And I and I of course I've read the article. Very interesting. Um I guess um I'll let you like I was gonna I was gonna do a quick summary of it, but I'll let you I'll let you talk about it. And I just want to I just want to basically my my I got two I'll I'll let you summarize it, and I basically have two questions about it. Yeah, sure. I'll summarize it real quick because I feel like I'm just talking and blabbing. Um, so CSW called strikes plus whiffs article, um, which I was very fortunate enough to win research article of the year for by uh, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. The idea came from Nick Pollock's head. CSW stands for, as I said, called strikes plus whiffs. Uh, and it's just another metric that you can use to help you in your analysis. We found that it correlated really well to another ERA indicator in Sierra, which is one that we value pretty highly. Um yeah, it's essentially we kind of thought like, you know, maybe called strikes weren't being valued enough. And we figured that when we added called strikes to whiffs, we got a better idea of who a pitcher was or what success they might be having in the future. Called strikes, obviously, still a little bit more volatile year over year than whiffs. So we still wait whiffs a little bit more than called strikes. But we figure it's not helpful to totally not consider them in the equation. Right on. That's really interesting. It's awesome. Um, who are you targeting in 2020 um, by using this? Um, by using the CSW, like who who who's someone that stands out as someone that could that could really positively regress, based on based on this research? Oh, that is a very very good question. Um, Can I attempt to answer that and also ask a question, Alex? Oh, please go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to cut you off. I want you to think about your answer. But while you're thinking, um, I was looking at the uh, pitcher list leaderboard which Mm -hmm. I I hope I'm using this correctly. And I noticed the CSW column, um, I I noticed Taylor Rogers is near the top, um, which I really love because I'm a big Taylor Rogers fan. And I know he doesn't get a ton of of swinging strikes, but uh, so it's, you know, if I'm using this correctly, swinging strikes for Taylor Rogers, 11.1%, but CSW is 35%. And then, uh, and, and then he's actually a few pitchers ahead of Josh Hader on there. Josh Hader, as we know, is a huge swinging strike rate, 23%. But 
but his CSW is like just under 35%. So is that a, is that an example of how this works? Yeah, and I, I think – so you were saying that Taylor Rogers. I just want to make sure I'm following you clearly. A majority of his was dependent upon called strikes? That's what it looks like to me because Taylor Rogers is not a huge swinging strike guy. His swinging strike rate is like 11%, and mm-hmm. uh, CSW is over 35%. So to me, that means he's a huge benefactor of – you know, he's a name that jumps out when you use the CSW metric. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's a that's a great point. And then he but he's also to to that point, like if I'm if I'm doing kind of a deep dive on CSW, then then he's the kind of guy that I would expect some sort of regression from because of his over dependence on swinging, on, excuse me, on called strikes. Right. That's the kind of guy that sticks out to me where it's like, OK, he had a lot of success last year, but because there isn't really a 40, 60 or 50, 40 split or anything like that, he could be someone who maybe regresses going into next year. Okay, that's interesting. So there is some some luck, you would say, involved in the uh, called strike portion of the CSW. Yeah, totally. So I think overall it can be a really useful metric if we're talking about a guy who isn't, you know, when you see it overall, it's a good fence post to start from, right? And then as you dive deeper, you're like, okay, well, who's relying on what and how frequently are they doing it? Like, I know that um, a majority of Aaron Nola's CSW rate is really comprised of called strikes. He's been able to, you know, do that for a majority of his career, so I'm not as worried about that. But a guy like Shane Bieber is kind of the same way, where a lot of his are also really dependent on called strikes as well. Um, so it, it, it gives you a little bit pause about where where regression could come from. Um, in, in terms of the, you know, the other guys that I, I, you know, that kind of popped off the page because of their success with CSW, a guy like Dinelson Lamette is really interesting. Um, I believe he finished top 10 in CSW last year. Uh, actually I think he finished right outside like, uh, 11th or 12th, maybe, um, Zach Gallen is a, is a really exciting name. Uh, there's still, you know, some inkling that he might not necessarily win the number five job out. Come on, come on. I know it's insane. It's insane. Merrill Kelly is not going to beat him. Um, so I'm not really buying it. Andrew Heaney is also someone who's in the top 20 that really kind of pops out. Um, and Chris Archer is another guy. Uh, so these are guys that I kind of am a little bit more interested in, uh, especially Archer who, you know, I'm not going to be taking him super early, but you don't really have to, right? I think his ADP What's his ADP? 250, right 260. Yep, you're totally right. 252 from the middle of February to today. So if I can get him around that time, I think he's going to get a little bit more strikeouts than he did last year. Chris Archer, to me, sort of is the Byron Buxton of pitchers. Like, you burn <laughs> me once, you burn me twice. I know you're, I know you got a lot, a lot of upside, but I just don't want to get burned again. But yeah. I guess at, at, that, at that price, though, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, and I don't blame you at all. I I, I completely understand that. For but sure. those other those other pitchers you mentioned, Lamette and Gat Galen, like I remember, like in October, because like baseball season never stops for me. So I I'm go I'm I'm thinking about next year in September before the season's even over. And I remember there, uh, people were uh, putting sleeper articles out, um, and Lamette and Galen were, were uh, quote unquote sleepers back then. But guess what? They're not anymore because they're going like um, in the top 120. So they're not like I don't even know if you can call them sleepers because just their their price has just been so inflated. Like their price, there's it, and don't get me wrong, I, I still I'm still drafting them myself, but um I like them, but the price yeah. is really but it's really it's really um you're, you're really um you're gonna have to pay up for them at this point. And then Heaney Heaney um I looked at one of the things I look at it's an obvious thing is K minus walk percentage. It's like the 
it's like the most obvious thing that's it's it's super correlated to like ERA ERA and WHIP compared to like compared to anything else along with their um, and um, of course swinging strike rate co- correlated to that. And if you look at the top uh, K minus walk guys, and I'm sure you know this, is um, you get all the guys that are drafted like in the top 30 starting pitchers. You can mm-hmm. I can list them, but then you got Andrew Heaney like jammed right in the middle there somewhere. So yeah, for that reason, he's somebody that I just got. It was I was immediately interested in him. I know he's got the injury history, but um, I like going into the year. It was um, Lamette, Heaney, and then Griffin Canning for me. Those are the guys that. Um, I could sort of that, that I sort of was targeting, but they were good, but they're going at such a different points in the draft. Like Lamette now at 120, and then Heaney close to 200, I think, and then Canning. Well, he's injured now, but before that, he was going like around 230. So those are mm-hmm. those those are three guys that I was surprised that they're that there is such a difference in their ADP. Um, I guess of those three, who like I guess um, rewind back a couple weeks ago before Canning has the injury scare that look that looks like it's sort of sort of dangerous, but of those three, who do you think has the best value? So who's the third one? It was Caning, Heaney. And Lamette. And Lamette. Oh, who do I think is the best value? Oh, man. So let's take a look at where they're going. And if Caning was if Canning was still healthy, it, it, it would probably be him. I really did have high hopes for him, and he was going in at 260, uh, pick 260. I think he was kind of great. I know I know Nick, who is the CEO and founder of PitcherList, is very high on Andrew Heaney because he's kind of got this really weird sinker that he puts at the top of the zone with like better spin rate than a majority of pitchers' fastballs. But for I'm still a, a, a little bit out on him. Um, but Lamette's going at pick 126, which I don't think bakes in a lot of the volatility in his command. Um, so I would say it probably would have been Canning, but with him injured, I'll probably go with Heaney. If he can keep, if he could pull it together and have a really healthy season at that value, he's not going to burn you. Right. And for myself, um, in in the, in my drafts where I was targeting um, Canning, um, the person that sort of I'm sort of replacing Canning with now is Hauser. So I'm reaching up to where. Oh like, yeah. He's he's sort of my guy now. He's he's sort of come into the he's he's come into the three musketeers for me. Uh, if if Canning if Canning's ta- is tapping out, um, and the other thing I wanted to mention about uh, Lamette is if you look at the projections, his Lamette's projections are so so close to Tyler Glasnow. So and Tyler Tyler Glasnow is going fifty picks ahead of him. So um, that was that was another t- player debate that we had. We were um, I was asking our I was asking our guest yesterday, which was uh, Scott Bogman, about that and. Um, he was saying that he he was sort of off of both of them and for their value, Gillick, Glasnow and Lamette. Um, so um, do, you have, do you have any thoughts on Glasnow versus Lamette? Glasnow going around pick 70 and Lamette going around pick 120 in terms of um, what do you like the values of, um, well, I guess, do you like the value of Glasnow, I guess, is my question. Yeah, you know, Glasnow, Glasnow. I was actually just talking about him today with Nick because I was watching his start. Uh, I believe it was against them. Who was it against? It wasn't the Marlins. Maybe it was the Marlins. doesn't matter. Um, and I was a little frustrated, right? I mean, listen, there's no doubt that Tyler Glasnow has great stuff, right? He's got he's got an electric fastball uh, that was like sitting 98, 99 today. Um, but it's flat, which is fine because when it's 99, it doesn't matter. You know, it should have some more movement, but it's just too quick for guys to pick up on. And then, of course, he's got that fantastic, you know, curveball. Um, he needs a third pitch, right? He was able to get by in the 60 innings last year because he didn't. Uh, he just had, you know, he came back from this weird injury that we thought he was all done for, and he was just able to blow guys away with fastballs up in the zone and curveballs down. But if he's going to do a full year, 
he needs a third pitch. The changeup isn't good, and he knows it. He threw one today, and at his post-game interview, he said it's just not a good pitch. And in the offseason, he's been working on a splitter, but he hasn't debuted it yet. Um, and that kind of scares me a little bit. If he can get the splitter right, if he can have something, it really helps his movement profile, right? Fastball up in the zone, curveball down, and then that splitter just riding away from guys. And that's really nice and really exciting. Um, I, I did a, a, some research into this thing called put-away rate, which is essentially how effective a guy is at putting away hitters with particular pitches. And his fastball stuck out as something that could really regress in terms of next year. So while I don't want to you know, walk away from this podcast being like, wow, Ty- Alex really hates Tyler Glass now, at that cost, he needs to give you 150, 160 innings of you know, sub-3-5 ERA. Uh, and I don't know if the innings are going to be there because of the injury. And if he doesn't get that third pitch, I don't know if the, well, certainly the sub two ERA won't be there. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to give you exactly what you need to at that cost. Well, he was, I, I looked at swinging strike rate versus K minus walk or even versus K and Glass mm. And I, I think there should be, there should be a two to one ratio. Like if you look at, if you look at the whole, um, the whole population of pitchers in 2019, there's about a two to one ratio between, um, um, from uh, K, K percentage to, to swing and straight percentage. Sure. Um, Glasnow, I think, was at the bottom of that list, which would, like, in layman's terms, which would suggest that he's he's going to regress in K percentage because because his swinging strike um, his swinging strike per, uh, percentage in relation to his K percentage is very low. Um, on the end of, on the other end of that spectrum, you had Dylan Bundy, who um, had a very high swinging strike to his K, K percentage. So I think that goes that sort of goes along with what you're saying here. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because that is a major crux of that put-away article is trying to explain that difference. And I sort of found that put-away uh, put rate can help explain that. And Tyler Glasnow is the the person I cite as a great example. So I'm really happy you said that. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, Craig. I mean, yeah, go ahead, um, Drew. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier um, that Alex pointed out, uh, where he, his swinging strike rate is you know about 12%. And uh, he was also on the leaderboard for C- uh, CSW. So his CSW was 33%. And kind of like Alex was saying earlier, that you can, you can see when those are, those are off and there's no sort of historical precedent for it for that particular player, um, you can see how that could regress. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just a quick note, I, I just thought it was interesting. I pulled up the uh, pitcher list leaderboard for 2018 and Taylor Rogers was on it too. Uh, and it, his numbers are almost identical to what they were in 2019, 11.5% swinging strike rate, 33.5% CSW. So he may just be uh, really good at, I guess, it, I guess what, would, what would portend really good CSW would be really good command, right? Yes, yes. So maybe that's, maybe that's Taylor. Uh, obviously, I'm a Taylor Rogers fan, but I, I, I just love seeing this. So I'm going to be digging into the pitcher list leaderboard data even more so now. That's great. And I mean, like, thank you for using it. We're super excited about it. And we have, I can't tell you what's coming, but we've got a few things coming, hopefully by opening day that we're really excited about. And I, it really makes me happy to hear you're using it. So thank you. Keep it up, man. You guys are pumping out some great stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, going back to going back to that K percentage to the swing uh, uh, in relation to swinging strikes, the poster boys for that for that metric are Bundy, as I said, and then Griffin Canning, and then Luis yeah. Castillo. Those are the three guys that that sort of underperformed their swinging strike rate. So that just that just, that sort of made me uh, feel that Castillo has just a, a sky high ceiling um, this year, and I'm really on him. 
And then on the other end of the spectrum, you got Glasnow being like the on the low end of that spectrum, and al- along with Adrian Hauser was also on the low end of that se- uh, spectrum. What do you, if I if I may, what are you guys, what are your both of you, your thoughts on Dylan Bundy this year? Where are you on him? Um. Well, I was listening. I was. I think I was listening to you, and you said that he starts off against the Astros, right? He does. Yes. And he sort of. I don't know. He, he, my thoughts on him are. Um. I think he's going to be like an average pitcher. I think he's like, I think in your 12 team leagues, I think he's going to be probably replacement value. Okay. Drew, do you have any thoughts on him? I am intrigued by him. I don't know that I have a great take. I, you know, I think, um, you know, he could, he could just take a small step forward and be pretty darn valuable in 15 teamers because really, you know, a lot of he's going in around the, you know, 18th or 19th round. So it's not like you have to pay, a premium price for him. Um, I actually got him in round 18 of TGFBI. Oh, nice. And, and I'm just kind of thinking, you know, he, he's a guy that I want to get sort of average production from with a little bit of strikeout upside. I think he, you know, he, last year, I think he was at about a K per nine. So I could see that bumping up to, you know, nine and a half per nine or what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> nine and a half strikeouts per nine. Uh, but you know, I don't think he's going to jump to 11 or 12 and become a, a glass now, or, you know, somebody, somebody that's just mowing people down left and right. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting the ERA to fall to like low threes or anything, but I feel like the angels acquired him, you know, for some reason, and maybe they see something that they can do with him. I'm going to be really interested to see if his, va- if his fastball velocity ticks up at all. Um, it's, it's not up right now in spring training, but maybe he's just, you know, not pushing it yet. But um, so, yeah, I would say in summary, I'm pretty lukewarm on him, but I'd really love to know what you think, Alex. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 I hope none of you feel I was trying to trap you on that because I am genuinely curious, um, you know, because uh, I'm still kind of making up my mind as well. I mean, he first of all, there's no better indicator that a pitcher is going to have success than him leaving the Orioles. Right. Uh, <laughs> we don't we don't really have a good track record with with, with that. Um, Jake Arrieta. And for him, what, what's kind of been maddening about Dylan Bundy uh, is I think that there is. Uh, a path to upside for him if he can change his pitch utilization. He's a guy who's very fastball heavy, uh, and that would play when his fastball was sitting 94, 95, or whatever it was three or four years ago. But now that it's lower, now that it's sitting 91, 92, the approach doesn't play. It, and it was one of the worst fastballs in the league last year, and I think two years ago as well. Um, the slider is fantastic. It, it has the ability to be a top 20 slider in baseball, if not top 10. Um, the changeup is also really good as well. I want him to 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 be a Patrick Corbin or 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 a um uh, a Matthew Boyd who's able to put the fastball where he needs to, but is not velocity dependent, uh, and then just throw that slider, you know, 30, 35 percent, bring that fastball down to about 45. And I think we're going to get a lot of answers this year because if he goes to the Angels and makes that change, I really have difficulty believing that the new Orioles front office, you know, they're, they're smart 
you know, um, Sig Meidel is, is, is smart and Mike Elias is smart and Eva Rosenbaum is smart. They had to have told him that that's what they wanted him to do. So I think we're going to either find out this year whether he's stubborn and didn't want to do it or maybe the Orioles didn't want him to do it. And I don't I have trouble believing that because it would just hurt me in so many ways. Um, but that's kind of what I'm paying attention for. And, uh, you know, Zach, you hit it on the, uh, on, on the head a second ago. You don't have to draft him, right? He's going to get burned by the Astros probably. He doesn't have a good start to the season. Give him a few starts. See what happens. He's going to be free. Uh, I know I'm going to be watching. And if he changes that pitch utilization, then then there's some nice upside there. Yeah, I think uh, 12 versus 15 teams is huge for me. I think he's yeah he's borderline on the on those on those 12 team leagues. You can sort of let somebody else draft him and then drop him uh, potentially. And then but for mm-hmm. in 15 teams league, I, I drew. I think he um, he does have a lot of um, he does have a lot of good um, value in that if you get him late enough. That's a great call in a 12 team, and that's the kind of thing I never think of, which is why I'm no good at 12 teams. <laughs> it's okay. I'm terrible at 15 teamers. So, <laughs> so the, the, second, the second question, I know I, I alluded to it a while ago, but the second question I had about the CSW article is, and this could be, this could be a stupid question, but oh. um, have, you ever, have you ever thought about flipping it around and using it for hitters? Yeah, totally. I mean, so the strides that we need to make with it are doing it for relievers. And, you know, you bring up Taylor Rogers is perfect because the majority of the studies we've done for it are on larger sample size with with pitchers. So um, in the article, we talked a little bit about relievers and how there's a little more volatility. So Taylor Rogers maintaining is actually very interesting to know. And then for hitters, we really do want to dig into it a little bit more. I was kind of hoping that someone else would just kind of pick up the mantle and run with it because, you know, it's like, it's kind of me and CSW have been like an abusive relationship for like three years where it like just keeps me up all night. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just tortured by it. Um, but it's something we're, we're, we're definitely interested in looking into a little bit more. Right. Right on. Cool. Well, if you need someone to obsess over Taylor Rogers for you, just let me know. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know if you're going to like what I have to say about him when we talk about relievers. So I'm excited to talk to you about him. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for that either. Sorry. Sorry, Drew. Um, <laughs> So, um, what? Uh, maybe, maybe we should. Maybe I should have led with this, but there's, um, there's, um, we we have some new news on Chris uh, Chris Sale, um, sure. and um, that sort of leads into my question on how you're handling the the first wave of starting pitchers because you got a laundry list. You got Severino, Sale, Paxton, Carrasco, Snell, and I'm probably missing some. Um, one thing I've done is I've, I've um, tried to zig when others were zagging, especially now in these contests with an overall prize. We talk, we talk about the NFBC quite a bit on this podcast, and tons of these um, twelve-team leagues that have, have already have already gone by, and uh, people have already drafted teams with Severino, with Sale, with all these players, and and um, have drafted all the other injured players a lot higher than they would be going right now. So one of the thing one of the things I did in, in one of my entries was I just went six hitters to start off to start off the league. And um, I, I think I was able to recover. I'm not going to get into my draft, but um, what, do, what are your thoughts in terms of um, did this sort of um, like, I guess, uh, reshuffle everything for you at all in terms of um, like, I don't, it seems like there's a lot of injuries this year, but maybe I'm just, maybe it's just recency bias. Maybe this happens every year to an extent, but um, what are your thoughts on that? No, you're totally right. It's been it's been terrifying. I mean, it started a few weeks ago and w- with Clevenger, which really sucked because I'm a huge Clevenger fan. And oh yeah, that's the one I, I forgot. I forgot to mention that. Me too. Yeah, he, and he's he, it's scary. Um, it's scary with him because there was a really good athletic piece that was like, uh, you know, one of their. Uh, Injury people was talking. I forgot her name. She's, I think she's a doctor, and she was saying, uh, you know, it should take about six to eight weeks. And if you see him throwing, uh, or if you see him in a game before May, 
then he has an extremely high chance of re-injury. And then two or three days after that article came out, he released a, a, an Instagram post or a tweet that was like, it's amazing what two weeks difference can make. And it was him throwing. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, that's not good. And then there's a very there's a great doctor who's down at um, First Pitch, Florida named Stephen Lyman. Um, and I was like, let me let me, you know, pick your brain about this. I'm trying, you know, I got into an interesting conversation with another guy, pitch list named Dave Sherman. Like, well, you know, who do we trust? Right. The doctors at for the Cleveland Indians obviously want him to be successful. They're not going to let him throw or maybe they have more nefarious intentions. Maybe they just want to get him out there. And, they, you know, he's pushing for it. Um, I talked to Stephen Lyman about it and he was like. The, the brace that he's wearing in this video is in no way, shape, or form sufficient for a guy who had surgery two weeks ago. So he scares me a lot. Uh, but to answer your question, I am more comfortable finding pitchers a little bit later. So I love that strategy of just loading up on hitters. Nick did a fantastic presentation at First Pitch Florida about the 20 to 30 guys who went after pick 300 last year who won you your leagues, right? Like Lance Lynn, like Mike Soroka, you know, like Max Fried. All of these guys were outside of the top 300 and you could pick them up off the waiver wire and 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 win your league. Mike Miner was another good example. So I'm, I feel comfortable that, you know, in our labor draft, we made our ace you Darvish. And I have, I'm actually okay going you Darvish, pairing that with a uh, Corey Kluber and a Matt Boyd and spending the first three or four innings uh, going going hitting. Because you're right. You know, Bueller's going to go a little bit higher now. Cole's going to go a little bit higher. Scherzer, who's got injury issues of his own, is going to go a little bit higher. Zig while you zag. Go, go while they zag. Go for the go for the hitters. I like that. I think the first couple rounds is more is more about avoiding the landmines than um, just hitting on hitting on players that you think are going to explode because you're really not going to gain that much value the first couple of rounds. Yeah. Um, what else? So I have, I have a, I have a, I have a good friend of mine who is a huge fan of pitchers list. And I was, I told him I was going to talk to you today. And um, I, I said, Hey, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions for Alex? And he said, oh, I, I do. He's like, I have one question. I looked at his rankings and um, it, it's funny. You brought up Clevenger. He's, I think you had Clevenger number five overall. And mm-hmm. um He's like, I want. I wanted to get. I wanted to get your thoughts on Clevenger five overall. Obviously, that was before the injury, and then Flaherty seventeenth. I think he said. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, sadly, these are going to be updated in two weeks because because Bueller's going to fall. Excuse me, not Bueller. Clevenger's going to fall a little bit, and Bueller's going to go up to that number five. Um, I thought the the path to upside was a little bit more exciting for Clevenger because I think he had more of a breadth of arsenal, meaning he was um, utilizing a little bit pitches a little bit differently and a little bit more going to that off speed a little bit more Bueller's fantastic but in the innings pitched increase that we saw between 2017 and 2018 there wasn't if I recall correctly a very drastic uh, increase in any of his plate discipline metrics um he, he increased his innings pitch by about 50. Um, his K rate went up a little bit. Uh, same with the swinging strike rate, but not a lot. Um, I, I was I just wasn't going to be surprised if we didn't see um, an uptick in any of those metrics unless he utilized his pitches a little bit different. If he said, hey, I'm actually going to start throwing my curveball a little bit more, then I was going to be a little bit more excited. And Al Melchior put it really well in an article that he wrote about Bueller. He finished 12th among starting pitchers last year in 5 by 5 Roto Leagues. So to have the argument that he was going to leapfrog seven other people to grab a top five SP spot was a little bit shocking to me. Um, 
And then for Clevenger, I saw a clearer path for that. Um, he had like a 34% CSW rate last year overall, which would have been top 10 would he have qualified. Even if that dropped down to 32%, that still would have been better than Bueller's. Obviously, the walks were a little bit more concerning, but I just thought there was a clearer path to upside. And then Flaherty, you know, he just scares me a little bit. Obviously, that second half was just absolutely fantastic. He, I think, has benefited more by uh, the Cardinals' elite infield defense than than we realize. And while that infield defense isn't really going anywhere, it scares me that he's so dependent on it. I think the fastball metrics are a little bit scary. I don't think it's a fantastic fastball by terms of uh, movement um, or batted ball metrics. In the second half of last year, when he was going on that historic run, he was he was fantastic. And I don't want to take anything away from him. He was locating that fastball up in the zone of that slider down, and he was just fooling guys left and right. But today. Today's game against the Mets kind of showed why I was worried because sometimes that fastball can leak over the plate and just get hammered like they did today. So I think when I see him at five or six or four, um, which I think maybe Rasball has him at, and maybe I'm wrong because they're a fantastic site and they have great projections. But when I see that, I don't think we're baking in any of that first half, which is just as much a part of him as the second half was. That's fair. That's fair. So, one of the other things um, that I wanted to get into was uh, looking at um, younger pitchers. So be it prospects or pitchers that don't have a full year under the belt um, in, in, with respect to these draft and hold 50 round, 50 round leagues, because um, most of these players that we're going to, that I, that I, that I, uh, that I have on this list here um, aren't getting drafted in your typical um, like 30 round league. Um, so what I've done here is I've given, I've, I've uh, created, I've, uh, you have a list that I've, that I've given you of all, prospects or second year guys and the number of innings they pitched last year and um if that wasn't their maximum if that if they had a maximum that was higher than that before that i put that in brackets now this list um like like, like i said could be relevant to the draft and hold leagues because that those leagues are so volume dependent um so just um because there are no, there there is no fab there is no trading so what you draft is what you get so you know and in particularly especially this year with pitching um um, with pitching injuries being so prevalent and um, pitching being inherently risky, you really want to make sure you get those innings and accumulating those innings and wins and strikeouts are important. So I guess before um, I blab on more than I have already, um, you have the list in front of you. You don't have to go through all the names, but did certain do, do any certain um, pitchers stick out to you as someone that you would that you would like to target and someone that would help that would be able to help you significantly um, for a good portion of 2020. Yeah, yeah, it, it it really is. I mean, you 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 really knocked it out of the park with these questions. It's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because I feel like some of the guys that we you, you said it yourself. You want bulk, right? You want a lot of innings, but a lot of these guys aren't going to get you drastic innings. We just need to lower the threshold for what a lot is, right? Like for these guys, yeah. a lot is a hundred, one twenty, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So in that case, I think Hazel Cesardo is super interesting. He would be really frustrating in uh, in a uh, weekly league um, because I don't think we know exactly how they're going to handle his workload. Um, so just in a, just so in everyone a, knows, sorry to interrupt. He threw forty. I'm just want to I'm just want to like say the number of innings he threw forty three innings last year because and a lot of these guys are it's due to injuries and the max he's ever thrown is 109. So. Um, uh, I, I don't have the projections in front of me, but um, sorry, yeah, sorry for interrupting. But I just wanted to no, please. I just wanted to please. give perspective of what we're looking at. And it's probably you... also useful for people that don't know to know that Luzardo is going around the eighth or ninth round in a fifteen teamer. So, so we're talking pick, you know, between pick one hundred and pick one twenty. So that's 
so pr- price really comes into play here, right? I mean, like even if you get really good innings, if you're only planning on getting 120 innings or so, that's a, that's a that's quite a price to pay. Yeah, that's a really fantastic point. You're right. If you're doing a draft and hold league, you probably don't want to pay the price where it is because you're right. You want bulk there, right? Um, those are the guys. Like I'm, I, I would be targeting like guys like Mad Bum and Corey Kluber because I think they are going to return to being 200 innings pitch guys. So you're right, and you could say that about Montas, right? He's going well up there. Um, and I think his stock is just going to keep rising. Uh, you could say that about McCullers, who I don't think people are really kind of weighing that he's probably just going to throw 120 this year. So I think if we go a little bit deeper, um, I'll be curious. I think Mize is going to get called up before Manning, if Manning gets called up at all, um, and Skubal. Um, So I think he's a little bit interesting. I know the Blue Jays said that they were going to take it a little bit easier with Pearson. It's so difficult because, well, there's two factors. One, um, we don't know if usually we look at poor teams, right? We look at the Orioles, we look at the Blue Jays and they say, or the Tigers. And we say, okay, they're going to let these guys come up a little bit later in the season because the season's going to be lost and they want to give them innings. They also just might not want to start their service time clock. And then the other thing that's really interesting for draft and hold leagues this year is the, the call-ups are different. The September call-ups are different, right? You're not getting 40 guys anymore. You're getting 28, I think. Right. That's a bit, that's a big consideration. Yeah, so you can't just say, okay, well, Nate Pearson's going to come up in, in September and throw you 60 or 70 innings. Um, yeah, so, y- you know, it is kind of an important point to take in where these guys are going. Like, I, I imagine this is Julio Arias, 82 and 122. Yeah, so, like, uh, he's going a couple, like at least 30 picks after Lizardo, and it's a good comparison because he threw more innings last year, and his max innings are more, and he's not coming off as much of an injury. So I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get why Arias is going um, after Lizardo. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, uh, I think it's what Nick calls Dodgeritis, where we just they're always going to find some way to suppress his innings in some way. If if that doesn't yeah. happen this year, then he's great. But right. you could say the same thing about Luzardo, to your point. You know what I mean? The exact same thing is going to happen. Well, the, the, another thing I don't get is, uh, speaking of Luzardo, and, and we've talked about the A's quite a bit, Montes, the most he's ever thrown is 137 innings. I think people think that, okay, yeah, his season was shortened because of the suspension, but guess what? Like he's, he's been around for a while, and he's, he's never thrown more than 137 innings. So I don't I don't know how many he's going to get, but I'd bank around 150 maybe. I don't think he's going to be – he's not going to get you the same innings as the people that are being drafted around him like your Lance Lins. Um, but to go back to the to, – to stay on the A's, A.J. Puck – who I'm completely staying away from now because of just the uh, the shoulder thing was just uh, the the one thing one more thing that I need to just say okay like his where he's going I'm, I'm not into it because he threw 37 innings last year um, doesn't have a full full year under his belt after Tommy John um, he did he did have a 125 inning season but I don't get steamer depth charts and the bat both all three of them project him to to throw more than 140 innings. I'm saying no way on that, even before the injury. Yeah, I would be surprised. I mean, I think especially because they have the depth with Chris Bassett and he's going to get a few of those starts. You know, he's an interesting guy. Uh, You know, I never want a pitcher to get injured because I love watching them work. But if the shoulder injury ends up being something where he's out for two months or three months, it could be a blessing in disguise for fantasy owners because it means then 
when he returns, there will be no innings limit. You know what I mean? Because at that point, he won't be able to throw more than 120 anyway. So you're not going to have to worry about him going up and down on the minors or him getting start skipped or anything like that. Uh, and to return to your point about Montes, though, I think the one caveat may be that I think the Athletics wanted to utilize him as a reliever for a little while. Uh, like I know that in 2017, he didn't make any starts. He was solely being used as either long. I think not. I think just as a a uh, reliever. Um, so I do think there is a path where he could theoretically get 160 um, this year, but that would be maybe 165 and probably the highest that I'd be willing to say. Um, but then to, you, you have some other really great names here that I think are really important to call out, and that's like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson and Ian Anderson. You know, Who knows what's going to happen to the back end of that Braves rotation, right? Like It's, anyone's, it's anyone's guess. Totally. Right now, I think it's Prince Felix or whatever. I call him Prince Felix because I don't think he's the king <laughs> anymore. Um, it's him who's probably going to get that number five spot. And there's got to be more upside with any of those guys between Wilson, Wright, and Anderson uh, than, than than Prince Felix, in my opinion. So those are very interesting flyers to take. I think people might be just about to give, give up on Wright. Um, he, yeah. had, he, he was he was very high, highly touted one or even two years ago. But um, one, of, one of my good buddies, John, MLB moving average. He's uh, in these draft and holds. He's talked about his strategy of just um, he likes to draft on the turn because he wants to get um, Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright. And just he's like, I figure one of them's going to pop um, and then maybe um, Brace Wilson a bit later. So he he's a sort of a compiler in these draft and holds. He wants to get all, like all of the all of the pitchers that are competing for maybe one or one spot. And another, I think another good example of that is Kansas City. Um, I read something uh, today that um, on um, Brady Singer um, uh, oftentimes in the uh, to. Oftentimes, these draft and hold leagues, you can find good information on prospect sites. Um, and I think it was Prospects 1500 I read that they had an article on the Royals and which which uh, which uh, Royals to buy into, which ones not to buy into. And Brady Singer, they're all over him saying that he could make the rotation right off the bat. And he threw 148 innings last year in the minor league. So the innings probably wouldn't be a limit or it wouldn't be but an wasn't issue. That, his, that was his like first year pitching or something, right? Didn't he? Like that was his debut was last year, right? Um. I believe he might have had some in 2018. I'm, I okay. don't know. I'm. I can. I'm gonna look it up now. All right. He because uh, yeah. He he is an interesting name for sure, and they're an interesting organization for sure. Because after Jacob Junis, I mean, uh, I don't really. Mike Montgomery showed some flashes last year. I know some people are in on Jorge Lopez, but I'm not particularly in on Jorge Lopez. They've got some. You know, Glenn Sparkman could come up. Eric Scogland could come up. None of these guys really scream upside. Uh, I know. I think they have Chance Adams too, which is kind of bizarre. Um, so yeah, I, I I could see a path where he gets some some time for sure. The one thing that scares me about I know you know Saris talks about this a lot, just about like how they have not done a very good job bringing up their prospects. Um, and there's I think a lot of people who was a Daniel Lynch. Where they're like Keith Law thinks Daniel Lynch is like a top 30 prospect and Eric Longenhagen and the other Fangroves guys think he's like a 60 or 70 kind of prospect. So there's something organizationally that scares me a little bit about the um, about the Royals. Although uh, this is kind of a non sequitur, but I just read in Jeff Zimmerman's Mining the News piece that uh, great piece. It's fantastic. We love, we Unbelievable. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Danny Duffy added four or five ticks of velocity to his slider. It's like hitting 88, 89 now as opposed to 83. Wow. That's crazy to me. Uh, it's crazy to me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's beside the point. Uh, also Trevor Rosenthal, what's going on there? That's wild. Um, but yeah, I, so I, we'll I, I didn't, I didn't read about that. I mean, I didn't so, read no, it yeah, it's, it's interesting. He, isn't that piece amazing? Like it's just so good, right? Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to read that later. 
but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't put Lynch on this list because he's only pitched in high A, and and you know what, I don't even know why I would ever doubt you. You're you're right, Brady Singer had just uh, it was his first year ever pitching um, in in the in the in the Royals organization last year. You you are very kind. I I have been wrong a billion times, probably just in this podcast alone. <laughs> probably about Dylan Bundy mostly. Well, that, that's we can that's, only hope. We all had our opinions. <laughs> there's no there's no right or wrong there. So um, anyone, I'm just looking through this list right now. Um, anyone well, else? Zach, it's, to... I think it's a great list. I think, you know, I think people would be interested to, I think you should maybe tweet some of these out because, um, you know, especially for the guys who are, who are going for such a high price, you know, like Glassnow's going in the fifth round. He threw 61 innings last year. Uh, Lamette threw 73. Now, some of these you could, you could project for more because they were coming back from an injury last year, but it's just interesting to know. And, you know, um, you know, the, the first name on the list, we kind of buried the lead, Kopech. He pitched zero last year. So yeah, great it's, point. Def, it's definitely, you know, reasonable to uh, to not only bake in a, a, a very low innings limit for some of these guys, but also just some ramp up time. Yep. The, yeah, totally. The, there's there's um, two more things I want to look at before we move on is one of them is um actually well the, the astros i think the astros have a couple may, they might have a couple guys on this list but i think urquidy i was surprised um when i was making this list that he threw that many innings last year he threw 144 innings last year and his um i was looking through uh, and his i was looking at fan graphs his swinging strike rate in the minors i think triple a last year 16.4 percent yeah so and he he had a great he had a great K percentage, great K per nine. Uh, didn't translate as much in the major leagues, but I think he he falls right in that Adrian Hauser, Keller, Griffin Canning type range where um, you could be you could be sitting on a gold mine there. What do you um, do? You put him in that do you, do you put him in that ca- that category, Alex? For draft and holds, yeah, I think I think yeah. that's a great point. I mean, who who's gonna go like? What's going to happen when Lance McCullers isn't going to go for the full year, right? I mean, they need – and Framber Valdez is suspended, and I think that's big for everyone else. And Brad Peacock is a hurt neck or something, I think it is. Um, so that's great for Jose Arquiti. I just – one of the other things that I just read literally two minutes before coming on here in that Mining the News piece is that Austin Pruitt is likely to win the fifth starting job now as opposed to Josh James. Um, no way. So that's – interesting uh and then forrest whitley could have a clearer this is not in the mining the news piece but because of the valdez suspension and peacock injury i think that pushes up whitley's timeline a little bit although i don't know if i want to deal with that volatility considering how poor he was have, last year do i have him here oh yeah there uh, he is. Yeah, 50, 50, 55 innings but that wasn't his but he's, he's thrown up to 92 before um, yeah i could see your kitty being in, in that rotation all year totally yeah um Couple more things. I know we were. On, I don't. I know we said we weren't going to hit on everything, but um, another one I want to look at is um, Spencer Howard. He only threw 66 innings because of injury, but he's thrown 112 in the past. I just see. I just have that. You know, nothing more than a gut feeling. I'll be honest that he could be. He could go Chris Paddock on us this year. Yeah, he may. He definitely. I mean, yeah, the, the upside's definitely there, right? He's got some really electric stuff, and he's a lot of fun to watch. I think they want to handle him with kid gloves a little bit this year. I know he had the shoulder injury last year, so I don't think they want to ramp up the innings too much for him. And then I know he had like a knee tweak thing at the beginning of spring training that was very minor. So he started his spring training a little bit later. I think they're going to take it easy with him. Um, and then pr- if they do call him up, it'll probably be late in the year. I'll be curious to see what happens to them because I don't even know what's going to happen with the Phillies. Some people think they're going to be at the bottom of that uh, uh, division. Some people think they might be a a wild card contender. Um, The back end of that rotation is not 
difficult to beat out. Like we don't know what mm-hmm. Nick Pavetta is going to look like. We don't know who um, what uh, Vince Velasquez is going to look like. They also have a new pitching coach, so there's a lot of volatility there. And they, you know, it, at the end of your draft and hold, it could be a good flyer to take. I think uh, Zimmerman touched on that a couple weeks ago on, in Mining the News. He said that they do, that they, they, their plans are to use him in the major leagues this year. It's just like you said, it's going to be kid gloves. Um, so bef- uh, two more two more players, and they sort of go together in my mind that I want to touch on before we, before we finally leave this segment. And they're sort of um, they're not um, they're probably the least flashy names on this list, but they're on t- but they threw a lot of innings in the minor leagues, 147 and 151 last year in the minor leagues, and they're on teams that either have a terrible starting rotation that would be uh, um, a piece of cake to crack, or um, they're really the only option in that minor league system. One is Corey Abbott on the Cubs. And I know a lot of people say Albert Alzale um, is like the more high-end prospect, but he only threw half the innings that Abbott did. And Abbott had a great, great ratios and great uh, a great K-9. And then on the Red Sox, Denny Reyes, he's like that. They got really nothing in the rotation or in the minor leagues, and he threw the most innings in the, in the minors last year. Um, any thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, um, th- th- I love that too because those are really like deep cuts. You like you draft and holds guys are crazy. Like you guys are the like true <laughs> we, we, like salt of the earth people. Yeah, we're we're the true degenerates. Yeah, no, and you know, yeah, amazing. Everyone calls them darts, and I, I say no. There's no darts in a draft and hold. Like whenever anyone says, "Oh, I'm throwing darts in the last round," I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm strategically placing darts." No, I love it. I love it, and I mean this in the best way. But it's nice to know that I have not hit rock bottom yet. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys well said. No, well seriously, said. guys. I I am in awe of you. I do baseball all day as well, and and it, it is it is so fun talking to you guys because you you, you, don't have... e- you don't even know what I see in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> so it's, it gets worse. Okay, it's yeah, the weirdest yeah. kind of kind of measuring contest. Let me tell you, and it's like, oh, how many drafts have you done so far? Seventeen, twenty-three. Yeah, it's, it's bad. You know what it always reminds me of is that scene in Willy Wonka where the teacher asks him how many Wonka bars he got, and he's like, <laughs> and the teacher's <laughs> like, two. What do you mean you only got two? Yeah. Like, when people ask me how many drafts I did, and I say like four, they're like, yeah. how dare you? Are you? Doing- <laughs> That's totally, that's a great analogy. Who do you think you are, sir? Yeah, yeah exactly. There You're is like, sick. Unfollow. Unfollow. Um, yeah, the, the, listen, the Red Sox need help. They, like, <laughs> yeah. We might be able to, to audition for them, audition, my old acting training coming out here, to try out for them. Um between Chris Sale, you don't know what you're going to get from Nathan Eovaldi because not as not only is he uh, volatile injury wise, he's got volatile stuff. Everyone's pretending like Erod is going to give them 200 innings, and he's had a long list of injury woes as well. So they might need a warm body. Um, for 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 Reyes, yeah, like the, the ERA. It's always a little bit weird for me to look at ERA when it comes to spring training stuff because we don't know what the infield defense or outfield defense is like behind them in the minor leagues, right? I don't know it too well at Double A what their prospects are like defensively. So the FIP is a little bit more important to me. And when I see a 3.69 FIP, that's not bad, right? The 11.3 swing strike rate is interesting. Um, I know that he has... Uh, uh, some pretty good command. I know sometimes it can go away a little bit. I think he was, yeah, he had a few years of like sub 3% walk rate, but that was a little bit earlier on in his career. And I don't think he's ever going to be a guy, you know, like Clevenger, who's got like a seven or an eight. He's going to be able to put the ball where he wants to. And to me, those are the guys who are going to be able to come up, right? Um, You have Alzale on the other side, who's got like electric stuff with these kind of crazy mechanics. And he's just kind of very explosive. Um, But if you need innings, this guy might not be able to hurt you. He's also super young at 23. For Abbott, um, 
Yeah, he, he had a, he had a more promising year last year. I mean, I think he had a near three ERA last year as well, uh, with yep. a little bit better of a swinging strike rate as well. He's got a better slider, I think. I think he's got a better curveball as well, which could really play. Um, and then I think a similar command. So I guess if I'm choosing between the two of them, Abbott could be the one who uh, I think he'll get less innings, but be more effective with those innings. Yeah, I could I could buy that. Um, so um, we talked on guys. We talked about um, Josh James already, but I wanted to ask about. Um, I guess people that were players that were operating as relief pitchers that, that could become starters this year. And I, I, I have a list um, here. One would be Darwin Zahn Hernandez on the Red Sox. It's pretty much the same reason. Like I know he's been operating as a reliever and he has that profile, but really they got nothing in that rotation, assuming Sale is not going to be pitching this year. And then you also have Corbin Burns and Peralta on the, on the Brewers. Matt Strom, I won't give up on him. I was uh, He burned me big time last yeah, year. All of us. Ugh, brutal. Um, Nick Pavetta, same thing. And then I, I sort of got that. I sort of got this feeling with Daniel Ponce de Leon this year. That rotation could get injured, um, and I think he's very good. He throws hard. Um, similarly, um, Brian Abreu and uh, Josh James on the on the Astros. So maybe not touch on all, but maybe don't touch on all of them. But whoever you want to talk on, Alex, um, what are your thoughts on maybe some of these guys becoming um, uh, starting um, starting pitchers this year? Yeah, I think Don, Daniel Ponce de Leon has shown some some really nice flashes in the starts that that he's made. I know he had a really good four seamer last year. It had a thirteen percent swinging strike rate, like a fifty four percent zone rate too. So he's able to put it in the zone and get whiffs when it is in the zone. Um, I know that because he was going back and forth between reliever and starter, or you know, long relief, he was kind of messing with his pitch mix a little bit, if I recall correctly. I think he would kind of amp up that cutter usage every once in a while. Um, the curveball made some appearances, so if he can, you know have a full year as a starter that's kind of interesting there, there's one name though if you don't mind that i kind of had in my back pocket um do i mind do i, I mind if i would, I would <laughs> welcome this <laughs> uh it's it's a guy that i've actually been excited about for for a year or, or two now i just don't know if he's gonna get um the innings but if he does i think lucas sims is really interesting that's um, great Yes, that curveball. He added so much spin rate to that curveball. He was one of the dudes like, listen, I, I am truly a nobody. I am just another pitching nerd like like you guys are. And hey, hey, randomly. I'm not a nobody. What? Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. You guys are cool, and I'm I'm the nobody. I'll, I'll definitely. That's, that's better. That's better. Uh, yeah. Zach, uh, Zach is definitely the coolest. The guy who just asked about Corey Abbott and Denny Reyes. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, okay? Yeah. You're not you're not a baseball nerd at all, Zach. <laughs> yeah, Zach. What was the last time you saw the sun, nerd? Uh, okay, that was mean. Um, he he randomly reached out and and followed me on Twitter one day, Lucas Sims. Uh, and I I don't know why, and he let me pick his brain about pitching, um, and I really legitimately believe in the changes that he's made. He had a debut last year for the Reds, uh, oddly, when I was on my honeymoon, and I was sitting in a hotel in Tokyo watching this start because I was so excited to see what he had, and it was fantastic. I mean, it was like four or five innings, I think, against the Brewers of, like, shutout baseball with, like, seven or eight Ks, and then it kind of fell apart at the end. I just don't know if the Reds are going to 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 let him fly. I mean, they have so many starters, not to mention another guy um, who fits into this category in Jose de Leon, right? He was a highly touted prospect who went to the to the Rays for a little while and didn't really do anything and then got traded to the Reds and didn't really wow so far in spring training so far, but there's still plenty of upside there. Um, as of right now, I think Jose de Leon is going to be in the minors and Lucas Sims is going to be that long relief guy for them. Listen, man. 
They have so many long relief, though. They have, like, Robert Stevenson. I think he's pretty much a reliever now, but they have Tyler Molly, who could be very effective. Um, and then they also did they sign Tanner Roark, right? Don't they have him? I think so. Uh, no, the Jays do. Oh, the Jays. Oh, excuse me. You're right. Um, see? I know I know because I know my Jays terrible, terrible rotation. <laughs> hey, man. You never know what could happen with uh, – uh, yeah, you're right. There's no one. Uh, <laughs> not even not even right you. I don't, I'm not even banking on him doing much. Oh, he could. Hey, isn't um Trent Thornton? He's he's not bad. Yeah, he might be the best one. He might be. Although Anthony K, did you watch him today? No, I did not. Didn't oh. he walk like four guys and then they pulled him? Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Oh, um, guys. but yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent there. Lucas Sims could be an interesting guy and could be a, a compiler. Maybe he at the end of the year coming out a long relief for them builds up a hundred innings, just focuses on that curveball and gets you gets you some nice ratios. Yep. Somebody that- else had somebody else had the show. Um. Um. A while ago, was mentioning um, uh, mentioning that he was drafting him in the fiftieth round. Um, Name's John Fish. Uh, he's a he's a high stakes player, and he's he's been grabbing him in the fiftieth round, Lucas Sims. But I also love um, Robert Stevenson, and a lot of the a lot of the uh, what we're talking about now is a big reason. And this is a segue into our next uh, into our next segment. Um, closer fades. There's a lot of reason why. I'm uh, fading Iglesias this year is solely f- in these draft and holes solely for the reason is they have so many good other options that are that are in that bullpen. If he if he falters a bit, like there's a lot of people that that um that can take it they can fill his shoes. Now, um, I know you, I know you did a presentation on um in um in first at, at first pitch Florida on this um it's called uh, fading fading uh, fading saves right. I don't know if I uh yeah how, how to I, properly value saves yeah right and um. My my approach, what what I've sort of learned this um, this this draft season is that um, looking at stolen bases and batting average going so quickly, like in the first couple rounds, like speed's getting pushed up so much. And and if you look at um, if you if you if you do projections while you're drafting and, and project your team in a five by five league, you'll see that in the pool of players that you draft, uh, like the pool of stats that you're drafting from, the big like. Stolen bases, as an example, you're you're drafting like fifty percent of the stolen base pool within the first couple rounds because it's a it's a scarce category. So of course you're going to gravitate towards players that are going to get you the batting average and stolen bases because they're coming off the board so fast. Conversely, and and I don't know if this ties into what you're what 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 you what you're gonna what you're gonna talk about right now with us is that saves they don't go. Why would you draft from a category that has not been pulled from yet? That's that's sort of my thoughts on it yet, and I, I would wait till it starts getting as scarce as the other categories. I, I don't know if I've explained that right, but um, what I want to get your what I want to get your thoughts on are um, basically um, how to how to handle those saves like you talked about, and um, if you have any fades. And I think you alluded to at least one before. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, listen, like they are. There's so much volatility, right? Every year, there's so much volatility. Um, and the, the kind of caveat that I gave here, oh, time's up. I got to go. See you guys. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's actually just my alarm that I've, I've been too lazy to close, to, to stop my alarm. It goes off at like eight twenty every night and I've just been too lazy to just stop it. So it goes off every night for no reason. I thought it was maybe a, a not so subtle way for me to shut the hell up. <laughs> like you were just like, stop. No, have, you, have, you, have, you, have you seen the Chappelle show where it's like the uh, the closeout music where they um, where it's, <laughs> yes. yeah 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 it's a Chappelle show. I just can't uh, get past the fact that Zach has this alarm that goes off every night and he doesn't he doesn't bother to uh, just turn it off on his. I mean, it's probably and been going off since high school. 
It's at uh, eight twenty. What happens at eight twenty? I don't. I don't even remember why I needed my alarm at eight twenty, but it must have been like a couple <laughs> couple months ago. And I'm like, I need my alarm for eight twenty. It's got to remind exactly. me. I don't, I don't even know. And now I've just never shut it off. So just and I'm, now I just shut it off again. I'm too lazy. And I'm putting. I'm brushing it to the side. I'm a busy man. I'm, I'm a, together, man. I'm a busy man. Drew. I think of I think of number one. Number one on serial killer tendencies is helping animals. <laughs> and number two is an alarm for a random time at night. Zach, Zach, you need to get off Denny Reyes fan graphs page and just <laughs> fix your alarm, dude. That's that's what the alarm was for. To, to check on Denny yeah. Reyes. I, I, I got it. Oh, time to check him again. Wait, wait. The stats haven't changed. The season hasn't started. Okay. Right. Are we going to call him up? Let's, we'll let's check loop him tomorrow. in like Justin Mason. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? I don't get. I don't get anyone. Uh, I don't get to talk to people. The people aren't reaching out to me like Lucas Sims and and uh, Alex talked to. Um, I I listened to it today. Matt Boyd, that was awesome. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I I Venmoed those guys a lot of money. Well, okay, well that explains things. So yeah, sorry, sorry, dude, sorry to. No, no, to, no, no, not at all. Not at that was, all. That was a, that was that interruption was worth it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so as I was saying, the, the saves are so volatile, right? And all, all I can do is provide you with as much data as humanly possible. And then I could be 100% wrong, um, uh, but I kind of want to draft like I'm not because that's the only thing I can believe in. So last year we saw 204 different relievers get saves, 204, which uh, is the highest ever in the history of the league. And we also saw uh, the fewest amount of saves in the past, I think it was 10 or 15 years, right? So 204 relievers getting the fewest amount of saves. They're just being pushed around um, more so than ever before. There's more volatility than ever before. Um, And we're constantly getting it wrong, right? Do you guys care to guess who the top three uh, relievers were by ADP last year? Um, Uh, I think I remember. Let's see. Training was one of them. He was one of them. Yes. He was number two. And Chapman? Chapman? Jensen? Uh, he was, uh, Jensen and Chapman were four and five. Number three was Craig Kimbrell. Uh, of course. What? So, how, could, how is it even possible? Because he wasn't even on a team. Yeah, I think people were just saying, oh, you know what? He's going to get signed. He's going to get signed. I'm just going to oh, draft. Wait, 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 wait a second. I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> so, respectively, between Diaz, Trinan, and Kimbrell, who were one, two, three, they finished 15th, 27th, and 32nd, respectively in saves last year. Um, whereas guys who were going after the top 300 uh, were getting you over 20 or 30 saves. Taylor Rogers is a perfect example. Example: uh, Hector Neris, Will Smith, Hansel Robles, Emilio Pagan. Uh, all of these guys were, were getting you a good amount of saves. Um, so what I did was I really broke it down by organization for the past 12 years to see who historically was uh, distributing saves the most and who wasn't. Uh, and it was the, I think it was the, Padres and the Reds, who had had the most relievers get 90% or more of their team's saves um, in the past uh, 10 years or 12 years. They'd had five different relievers get 90% or more of their team's saves. They had historically liked to stick with their guy. And so what that says to me, though, is that maybe this year they will continue to stick with Iglesias. Last year, they still had Amir Garrett. They still had Robert Stevenson. They still had Lucas Sims. Um, They still had guys with electric stuff. But for some reason, 
they stuck with Rizal Iglesias despite the fact that he led the league, uh, I believe, in, in blown saves. And I brought up earlier about Taylor Rogers, and the thing that kind of gives me pause about him is he is going, I believe, in the top 100, certainly in the top 150. Uh, he is a near top 100 pick by ADP. The Twins have not had a reliever get over 70% of their team saves since 2015. And within Glenn Perkins was their closer. So his oh Yeah, exactly. That's what scares me. And then the fact that I think he kind of struggles a little bit when guys get on base. Um, so he could theoretically then be used more in the fireman role, which gives guys like Trevor May the opportunity. But the, 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 the overall, um, you know, uh, encapsulation of the talk and of the piece and of the article that's going to come out in a week or two is I think you can wait. I don't think you need to take Taylor Rogers. I really don't think you need to take Liam Hendricks. The athletics and the Rangers have not had consecutive saves leaders for 11 years. I believe it is. Wow. Wow. The last time the athletics had a consecutive saves leader was Grant Balfour. (laughs) <laughs> oh, the uh, Australian guy. Yeah, was he Australian? Oh my god, I think he was. I think he, I think he was. I just remember him. Uh, the Orioles were going to sign him, and then he failed. He was the first guy to like start the trend of the Orioles have a really tough physical, and then he blasted us on social media, and then he failed <laughs> in Tampa. Um, but yeah, so guys who are drafting Hendricks and Leclerc. Listen, I could be totally wrong. Leclerc just got an extension, but it seems if we're just looking at the data and by track record. You know, Hendricks' velocity maybe goes away, and and you know someone behind him starts taking the saves. It's the same thing that happened with Tryon last year. So for me, I have no problem waiting and taking Brandon Kinsler, who could get you twenty saves for the Marlins, or uh, uh, Daniel Hudson, who could get you thirty saves if Doolittle proves ineffective, or Yoshihisa Hirano who could be sta- uh, taking all the saves from the the Mariners. Even though they're going to win 60 games, someone's going to get 20 saves there, right? So that's my long spiel on relievers. I think that, that's perfect for the leagues that we're, that we're uh, discussing, like the draft and holds and the, and the deeper 30-round 30, 30 teams because you do, need, you do need somewhat of a deeper bench um, to, to start drafting those guys because if, you, if you're in a league where you're uh, not drafting Dylan Bundy, it might be hard to to draft some of those players that you're talking about. But I, I I'm all over I'm all over Hudson this year on the Nationals. Um, I think he is I think his his value is way way better than Doolittle's value. Um, so yeah. he's one of the guys that he's one of the guys that I'm I'm surprised at how late he's still going. Um, I'm able to I'm able to scoop him like well after some of the other players that are way less interesting to me. But um, bi- the biggest fade of the year for me um, of any player closers or not closers is Josh Hader. Um, just for the just for the price you're paying for them, and um, based on the fact that there are going to be suitable um, other players there, um, uh, including Corey Knable, um, probably a month or two into the year, and then they have a bunch of other like guys that just throw gas in on the Brewers. Um, not to mention that he could be traded, but um, he's just, he's just a huge fate of mine. Yeah, I mean, listen, you kind of hit the nail on the head with what you just said, I, and I, I I think I brought this up in the presentation too, which is like. What happens if, um, you know, if if Corey Knebel comes back, 
does Hader automatically assume the fireman role again? You know what I mean? Which in a saves and holds league is great. I think he's fantastic. Or yeah. what happens if they decide to keep Corbin Burns as just a fastball slider guy and don't want to stretch him out for the rotation anymore? Then, yeah, maybe he's a guy who who starts getting some, some more saves. It's it's all terrifying. So if it's all terrifying, why am I spending a top 100 pick on it? Yeah, it's just it's just the risk the risk reward reward is you're you're just you're paying for the the absolute ceiling I I, I believe. Um, uh, did we talk about the Giants yet? Because I don't I don't think that any of the people getting drafted right now with as a potential for to get saves are going to be getting any saves really. I, I think no. it's going to be someone else. Yeah, I mean Tony Watson still hasn't thrown a pitch yet, and while I do think by the end of the year he might be getting a majority of those saves, we just have no idea, and they haven't even even announced uh, a closer yet. And what, what's interesting that I noticed about them, um, the the Phillies, and this is going to make sense in a second. The Phillies have evenly distributed saves for a really long time. In 2018, they didn't have a single reliever record more than 40 percent of their team's saves, uh, and that started with with Kapler. You know, and I think the same thing is going to happen in San Francisco where Kapler is going to go there and just going to figure out who the best guy is for a given situation. And no one's going to get a, a huge bulk of them. Tony Watson, I think, will end up with a majority of them, but I don't think he's going to be the guy where it's, oh, the ninth in comes Tony Watson. Yep, I agree with that. So who gets more saves, the the leading saves getter on the Giants or Hunter <laughs> Harvey? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Man. That is a great question hot takes uh, i know i love it i love it i love it uh i will say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna match you on the hot take um it is going to be someone from the giants that someone from the giants will not be tony watson it will be someone who has been the theme of this podcast's brother tyler rogers oh yeah i love it the uh the yeah. side armor from the other 100 percent Doesn't he throw like 82 miles an hour? (laughs) Yeah, but you can't pick it up because it's coming from underneath the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Matt Strom can't even pick it up. It's great. (laughs) I I love it. Oh, speaking of Matt Strom, uh, we got to mention Jeff Zimmerman again because uh, in the Mining the News from February 19th, he pointed out that Strom is only going to be used as a reliever this season. Just uh, doubling back. I saw that. (laughs) Right. <laughs> just just wanted to pick that one up but yeah, no you heard hard. it here folks sorry what alex no i was just saying i'm glad you, you saved people from that it's good to know i just i just want to you know i just want to reiterate everything you've said here and just you know the, the 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 uh the idea and and really zach i think even for for shallow leagues just as much as draft and hold because like in draft and hold it's great because you can get some of these later guys and you can actually draft them but in like a fab league that's exactly where I'm going to spend some fab in April is there's going to be closers that pop up that, that were not drafted. And so that's a really, to me, it's a good use of fab because you're actually getting, uh, you're moving up in a category for it. And maybe even the shallower the league, the better, right? Cause I mean, in a, in a 12 teamer, you, I would be even less inclined to pay for saves. So long story short, don't draft Liam Hendricks draft Hunter Harvey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll put my seal of approval on that. Yeah, and Tyler Rogers. Do a little bit more convincing. There's also there's also Melvin Adon on the Giants. That's that's another guy that's um has potential to get some saves. In seriousness, the Giants is probably a train wreck. But I, yeah. I love the Tyler Rogers call out because I've I've been drafting him at literally pick 745 in a draft and hold. So it's, love it's it. great. Nice. 
All right, last last thing here. Um, late late round targets. So we're calling them on this show hibernators. So like your deep sleepers uh, could be hitter or pitcher. I know you talked about um, you talked about Crone and you talked about uh, Nunez already, but we're, we're we're mining a little bit deeper than that, uh, Alex. Um, who you got? So I'll, I'll keep with the theme um, uh, of relievers, and I'll say Ryan Helsley, who could theoretically be a guy who steals a lot of saves in St. Louis. Uh, everyone thinks it's Gallego. Some people say Reyes. Um, you know, some people think Carlos Martinez is going to go back there. But the people I've talked to seem to think it's Ryan Helsley, so that's an interesting late-round take. Um, another guy going after pick 400 is Spencer Turnbull. Uh, I think he's got a lot of upside that people are ignoring. He had a fantastic start to the year last year. Uh, including a sub three ERA in March and April, I believe. Uh, and then he got shoulder fatigue, which led to some upper back problems. I think he's got a really good and very interesting arsenal, and he's essentially free there. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I think Kyle Lewis uh, is an interesting play. I think he's going to play plenty in, in Seattle. And if you look at his stat cast page, uh, he hit the crap out of the ball uh, in an extremely small sample size. But, you know, I'd rather see that than the opposite. Um, and then why not end uh, on a pitcher? Because that's what we do. Uh, and I'll say Patrick Sandoval, who's probably going to start the year in that Angels rotation and had some promising CSW stuff. And after pick 400, he's virtually free. Oh yeah, and everyone's gonna get injured on that in that rotation. Hundred percent. Just, just hopefully not. Hopefully not him. So any, any, does it give you any pause that uh, Ryan Helsley uh, threw two innings in one of the spring training games so that, uh, that they're not going to use him in that uh, closer role? Like yeah, uh, the, the the game that Gallegos got the save, I believe Helsley uh, threw two innings before you, that. You mean because two innings instead of one, or? Yeah, so two innings at a time because typically you'd want to if you're going to groom someone to be a closer, um, you'd, you'd throw one inning. They throw one inning. But, yeah, uh, totally. That I mean, that definitely gives me pause when when I hear that. I didn't know that about him. I do think that between the two of them, I would prefer Ryan. I think I would prefer Ryan Helsley's stuff a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that definitely gives me gives me pause there. But I guess to the other point, after pick four hundred, Gallegos is already gone. You might as well get the guy who would theoretically be the next in line for the saves. Right on. Okay, so um, I think we'll end it on that, Alex uh, and uh, Drew. Uh, thanks, thanks to both of you for for coming on. Um, uh, you can uh, you can fi- you can find uh, Drew at Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. That's Common Common Sense FBB. Uh, you can find um, Alex on Twitter at AlexFast8. Um, you can also find all his work at PitcherList.com. Um, is there anything else I've missed? No, I, I I just followed Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm sorry I hadn't done it before, but I, I'm now I'm now a follower. You can follow also, me at Zach Roto. I don't know if you follow. I know you follow our podcast at Draft Champagne. But what um, is yours, Zach? Zach Zach, Zach Roto. Zach I Roto. I don't know if you follow me or not. I'm not sure. I know you follow the podcast. Yeah, I definitely follow the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. Fo- is it Z A C K or C H? C K. Z K. Oh. Yes, I think I. No, I do follow you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. That's not. That's not as embarrassing though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go follow Hunter Harvey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right onto that. Uh, that mullet as long as I can. <laughs> I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna go follow Lucas Sims. See if I can. Okay. I'm, I'm willing to give him some pointers. Can't wait to watch their ADP go up after you publish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Enjoyed it, guys.